come to you first. We know that it is easy to be distracted by this world and the things it have, has to offer to help ease pain or suffering, but we know those things will not last, so I pray that you would help us when those trials come to run to you first and put our trust in you. That's what you want. Your son said, come follow me for my, for my burden is light. Come to me, all you who are weary. He wants to bear the load for us, and we're so thankful for that. I would pray that you'd help each one of us to recognize that in our lives when things are going awry, not to just run to some sort of a screen or something else that's going to kind of just take our mind off of what's going on. But I pray that you would help us to run to you. We're so thankful this morning to be able to hear from your word like this. We know it is a privilege to be able to come and hear from your word because we know it changes us. And it's good for us to gather like this because we encourage one another to go out and live another week of the Christian life. So I pray that that would happen today, that that would happen this week as we go out and represent you in this world that is dark and getting darker. So I pray that you'd help us to be those lights. Thanks so much for this opportunity now. In Christ's name, amen. Man, uh, aren't you glad to be here this morning? Yeah. You guys are in for a uh, special treat this morning. Our friend, uh, Pastor Ken, who was here for our men's retreat, uh, many of you men will remember him. Uh, he is back uh, this morning to share with us. And uh, as I was thinking about how to introduce him, uh, there's a lot of ways that I could do that. Uh, he is the pastor at uh, Idlewild Baptist Church. He said those are two names you don't want in your church, uh, Idle and Wild. But uh, he is a, an amazing pastor. He's uh, when I talk about different guys that I really am admiring that are going on in the national stage, Ken will, will, will interject every so often, oh yeah, that guy's wonderful, or, and he knows him personally, he's like got him on speed dial, and uh, he runs in different circles, but that's not the thing that uh, impresses me. What was really significant this morning, uh, first service, his uh, brother um, drove three hours Imer did, to come down and uh, see you preach. Uh, his family loves him, sees his relationship with Christ as real, as significant. Uh, and every single time that I've been around Pastor Ken, he is uh, uh, every time lifted up the word of God as the answer, not himself. He has always made Christ shine and made it such a beautiful thing uh, that you would leave everything else behind in order to chase after the truth of the gospel. There's a passage, uh, Ken, in Joshua. Caleb is... Uh, been told that uh, it's time for him to be able to have his turn at getting the property. And he said, man, I was 40 years old when we came out of Egypt. He says, it's been another 40. I'm wandering around the desert with these crazy people because they wouldn't say yes to God. He says, but I'm 85 years old. And he says, in verse 12 of 14 in Joshua, uh, he says, I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength is now at the strength that it was then for war, for going out and coming. So give me this hill country which the Lord spoke of on that day. For you heard on the day of Anakim that was there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I'll drive them out just as the Lord has said. He still had energy at 85. Now you're not 85, but you're a guy that screams strength in every stage. And I'm so thankful for you. The energy you bring to the word. Would you come up and share with us this morning? Let's give him a hand. Yeah. <laughs> He runs up. He's going to run over the stage. The stage is right over here. No, I, I got Let it. Let me pray for you. Thank you. <laughs> Hang on, man. He just kept going. Father, 
We thank you so much for, Ken, I thank you for the energy, the strength, the passion for your word that you've given him. I thank you that every single time I hear from him, I'm not looking at Ken, I'm looking at the Savior. And I pray that you would help him now to preach, to be able to remind us of the truth of Jesus, uh, Father, that we would hear from your word, that we would be transformed, we'd walk differently as a result. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Hey, can I just tell you what a joy it is to be with my friend Justin and, and Christina? I told the, uh, the first service that I'd buy stock in your pastor. I love your pastor. We are fellow Yankees. Yeah, you can go ahead and give him a round of applause. Absolutely. And uh, he is the real deal. We're, uh, we're fellow Yankee fans, New York Yankee fans. Don't judge us. Don't be haters. Don't be haters. Don't be haters. Uh, uh, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 7. And while you're turning there, let me just tell you that at Idlewild in Tampa, where I pastor, um, uh, Lou Pinella is uh, one of our members. And uh, I know you find that hard to believe being a Mariner fan. Uh, I told Lou I need to teach him how to get thrown out of a game, but that's a whole other sermon. Uh, but, uh, but I do have Russell Wilson on my fantasy football team, if that, just if that helps me any here today. All right? Probably, probably doesn't. Um, but it is a joy to be with you. I met your men at, uh, at Twin Rocks Retreat Place there in uh, Pacific City. And uh, I appreciate you welcoming me here to Oregon, this beautiful, sunshiny day and just gorgeous. Uh, and, and Justin said that you're kind of kicking off the year, and, and I know the students are just starting back school, and I know just how happy they are about that. Uh, and in Tampa, we've been in school for, you know, three or four weeks. So when he said, I said, kicking off what? He said, the school year, man. We're I said, what kind of place is this? I mean, you guys go to start and, and uh, but my, don't tell our kids that. They would like to start a little bit later. Um, when I grew up, and uh, I'd ask you to stand with me, would you please, in the honor of reading God's Word. I'm going to start in verse 36 in just a few moments. But when I, as a kid, there was a plaque that hung on the wall in our kitchen. And this is what it read. Jesus Christ is the head of this house the silent listener to every conversation, the unseen host at every meal. And he was. And with great meals around that table, it kept us from having fried preacher when we'd sat around that table, but Jesus was listening. And here's what I want as we read this past scripture. There's three characters in this story beginning in verse 36. And I hope today you've come hungry. And I hope that you've come and you're ready to listen because I'm going to ask you as we read this, which person do you identify with in this story? Or which person would you like to identify with in this story? Look at verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that she was uh, uh, reclining at the table of the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. He answered and said, well, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. 
And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, from whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you've judged rightly. And then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet. But she's wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. From the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You may be seated. This is God's word. And we pray that he'll add his blessing to it as we read it. And as we hear it. Of course, as we obey it. Now, what you need to know. What you need to know about this story. Is that when you and I eat at our table. We we have a different look as a table. But in those days, they ate at what was called a triclinium. A triclinium was, you can see, it's, you hear the word tri, it's a, it's a three-sided table that they set on the side, and you actually had your elbow on one side, and you had your, your ear almost to the chest of the next person. When it said that John was leaning into the bosom of Jesus, you kind of read that and go, Ugh. but then when you start realizing when they were eating, that's exactly where his head was in the chest of Jesus. And the feet was kind of at the nose of the person next to you. So they were leaning in. I'm going to ask you in just a few moments just to lean into this conversation. Because, because you, you have a choice here today who you want to be like. You, you can be like Simon because this is his house. He's a Pharisee. Don't confuse him with another Simon where there was another uh, breaking of the oil and anointing of Jesus. Don't confuse the two different stories and two different Simons. This is the leading Pharisee of the area and Jesus is the visiting rabbi and it was custom and a religious practice that in those days the person that was the visiting preacher would always be at the leading rabbi's house and he would entertain him. And so Jesus is there when this woman walks in. Now something, here's what you have to know, something's going on in this story that that's goes way deeper than what you imagine. You could be Simon or you could be this woman or you could be Jesus. Now I thought probably what we ought to do maybe just to get started here is, is to just find out, Emily Post did a, 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 a question and a survey of telling what Social etiquette is. And so this chapter is full of social etiquette. Everybody knows that if you go on a mission trip, that depending on your culture, you can embarrass yourself. You can embarrass people around you if you don't understand their culture. So I thought, I'd, you know, I've been here in Oregon, and I've never been here at Salem Heights Church, and I thought, you know what? I'll just find out if they got any culture. So let me just ask you a couple questions and kind of work with me uh, here as we do this. And, uh, and you can raise your hand, and I'll ask you the questions, and what says, says here stays here. But let's just find out if you got any culture. All right. So here's the first question. All right. After the hostess, when should one start eating the main course at a formal dinner? All right. That's the, that's the question. Emily Post, this is, this is etiquette, by the way. 
All right? After the hoax is seceded, after the hoax is lifts her fork, after three or four people are served, as soon as humanly possible. How many would say, after the hostess is seated, that's when you ought to go ahead, just raise your hand. Thank you very much. Good, good. How about this? After the hostess lifts her fork, you'd say, well, that's, that's that. good, good. How about this? After three or four people are served? Okay. How about this one? As soon as humanly possible. Right? I've been to your house. Yeah. You've been to my house, right? Yeah. Well, let me tell you something. You have no culture in this room. The answer is this, after three or four people are served. I'm just telling you, that's what the only post says. Now, she's never been to my house. That would never work in my house. So here's the second question. What do you do when the person across the table has food stuck in their front teeth? Number one, intensely stare at the food and make them aware. I mean, just look at them and judge them. like hold. Or pick between your own teeth, hoping they'll get the gesture. Or ask them if they're saving some for later. That'll work right there. Or casually let them know. Or none of the above, don't do anything. Now, I don't know what answer you got in your mind, but let me tell you the correct answer so you don't embarrass yourself. It's none of your business. That's what Emily Post says. It's none of your business. Emily Post doesn't know my wife. I'm just telling you that right now. No, no, you, you let it go. You just let it go. That's, that is proper and that is etiquette. Let me give you another one. Is it polite to ask others to pray before a meal at your house? Who should do that? Well, the host should always say grace. Ask the person who prays the best to pray. Put your pastor on speakerphone. Ask him to pray. That's an answer. Don't pray because you might offend. Here's, here's what Emily Post says. Emily Post said, no, my grandkids, they pray better than anybody. But no, it's the host who should always now, Himley Post died in the 1960s, so you have to understand something. Um, they didn't have cell phones then, but I thought since I was here, I, I might help Justin out a little bit. And so here's the, here's the last question. What should you do if your cell phone goes off in church? All right? Look annoyingly at the person and shake your head in frustration. Make your ringtone a worship song just in case. That's my favorite answer right there. Or send the preacher a gift card. Now... <laughs> I don't know what answer you'd give, but let me tell you what, Justin. The correct answer is saying, yeah, send the preacher a gift card, all right? Now, let me tell you, we had a little fun, but let me tell you why I did that. I did that purposely. Because I want to show you something, that when Luke's writing this, there's something culturally going on of etiquette. And it wasn't like Simon had a mother that didn't train him. It wasn't like Simon didn't know what he was doing. He intentionally did what he did. Because if you lived in the day of Jesus, here's exactly what would happen. If I showed up in your home, three things we know as just etiquette that would happen. You would have a bowl of water at the door. A servant would wash your feet, or the host would wash your feet, but your feet would be clean. You've been walking through the mud. And, and, and they didn't have sewage systems then. And wherever you walk, but your feet, and you're going to have your feet in somebody's nose at a table. Somebody's washing your feet. That didn't happen. There was no water for Jesus' feet. You would get a kiss when you got greeted. And if you were an equal, you would, you would kiss each other on the cheek. The Bible says, greet one another with a holy kiss. It's kind of equivalent to our high five. Like when you were welcoming and greeting one another. It's kind of the high five. If they, were, if they were above you, you might bend down, kiss their hand. But you always got to kiss. 
Jesus didn't get a kiss. He didn't get any water for his feet. He didn't get a kiss for his cheek. And he didn't get any oil for his head. When you walk, you walk to, sometimes in, in this heat, in the climate, and there might be just the sweat, and the oil was refreshing, it was renewing, it was relaxing. Everybody, you got that. That was just social etiquette of its day. But, but this didn't happen. Why? I'll tell you why. Because what was etiquette also was that the leading Pharisee was to have the visiting rabbi preacher in the area at his house. And that's what you've got here. In Luke 7, Simon opens his home. Jesus comes. But here, don't, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Here's the kicker. Simon doesn't really want him in his home. Simon's got a religion, but Simon didn't have a relationship. Now, I'm going to tell you something about this woman. She did not come to Simon's house. She came to see the Savior. She has spent her life staying away from houses like this. And Simon says, when he saw her, if Jesus was really who he said he is and he's a prophet, he would know this woman is a sinner. And it literally is the sinner. Because she's got a card that says escort on it. And everybody knows what she does. And everybody knows who she's been with. And how dare Jesus let this woman come into my house and let him, let her touch him. Who you like? Because there's three principles here with each one of those characters. And here's the first one that you need to understand. Religion focuses on duty. But a relationship focuses on desire. So let me ask you this. Why, why are you here today? Well, it's Sunday. I got to go. I'm not happy about it, but dad said I got to go. I'm here to get my wife off my back. I, 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 I got family pressure. Any excitement about being here today? See, religion doesn't think about that. Religion's here because they have to. It's like a kid when he, when he looks at his plate and he's just not even hungry. He just kind of stares at his food and he kind of just plays with it. Are you hungry? Because you see, you can get to the place where you just, that's what you do. I mean, it's what you have to do. It's a have to. It's not a want to. It, 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 it's, it's amazing. You can preach a sermon and, and same people in the service, one person go, man, is it over already? And then they go, man, I thought that God never stop. What's the difference? The difference is a heart. The difference is one's focused on religion, the other's focused on a relationship. And can I tell you something? If you're here today, and, and you're, you, you don't want to be religious, you didn't come here to be religious. You came here, somebody brought you, you've got a good friend you work with, you have someone in your family that you brought, and, and, and kind of frankly, let's just be honest with you, you're a little disappointed that Pastor Justin's not preaching, uh, you know, and, and I am too to some degree, and I get that. I get that. But here's what you may not know about this place. I've been with the men in this church. What a great retreat we had. These men here, I mean, they're going to heaven if they don't overshoot it. I mean, they're just, they get excited, these men do. But you're in a good place. Let me tell you what this church, they don't care where your heels have been. They just want to know where your toes are pointing. 
They're not here to be... They, Jesus wasn't interested in religion. Jesus is interested in a relationship. Now, now get the irony of this moment. This is a, a key, iron, ironic moment. Simon has been to rabbinical school. Simon knows about 12 books of the Bible, the Old Testament. He has them completely memorized. There's 300 prophecies in the Bible in the Old Testament about who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And, and by the time that he turns 15, he'll have probably almost the entire Old Testament memorized. So he knows the Bible. And he's got the Messiah sitting right there in front of him. And he's not moved. In fact, he's angry. And he's angry because, because listen to me, a lot of people get activity and intimacy confused. Just because you're active doesn't mean you're intimate with the Lord. Are you here today because it's just checking something off the box? Are you here today because, man, I'm hungry. I came hungry. The, the, the second thing you need to understand is, is, is this. You need to understand that, that this woman here has not been to rabbinical school. And the question you've got to ask yourself today is, do I know about Jesus or do I really, really know Jesus? Because there's a difference. You can come to church and know about Jesus, but do you really, really know him? I mean, when you worship today, did you really, really worship? Because here, here's the deal about this woman here. She doesn't know any prophecies. She, she just knows who Jesus is. Now, I don't know what happened. I don't know. She heard him teach. Maybe she, he, he talked about the woman at a well. And maybe he talked about a time he met Zacchaeus and, and went to his house. And I, I don't know what it was, but somehow she felt like, hey, you know, there may be some hope for me. And that may be where you are today. There's some hope for you. And you're thinking, preacher, you don't understand something. You don't know what I've done. And you know what? We don't know each other, and you're right. And I'd say to you, you don't know who he, what he's done for you. Because listen to me. There is nothing that you will ever do to get Jesus Christ to love you more. And there's nothing you've ever done to get Jesus Christ to love you less. And so if you're here today and you're looking for a church family, you're looking for a place. Listen, if you're looking for a perfect church, you don't want to join this one. Can I just say that? Because if you do, and I'm not talking about the people here, I'm talking about you. If you do, you'll mess it up. You're not perfect, and neither are they. And I've pastored long enough to know this. People say, well, I would, I would go to that church, but let me tell you something, preacher. There's too many hypocrites at that church. That's what they say about my church. You know what I say? Yeah, there are. And one more is not going to kill us. Come on. That's what I tell him. Well, I didn't know which church to join. There's just a bunch of churches. There's the Baptist church, there's the Lions church, and then the, the Catholic church, and, then the, and, 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 and I just didn't know. I didn't know. Well, you know what? Jesus didn't say, come join the church and you'll get to heaven. That's not what he said. I didn't like Pastor Ken. I didn't like Justin. I didn't like, and, and name, Jesus didn't say worship Pastor Ken or worship Pastor Justin. He said, come to me. I didn't think I could live it. He didn't say, trust yourself. He said, trust me. So I don't know what excuse you have today why you haven't made the leap and haven't made the journey and haven't leaned in to the Lord Jesus and his truth. But can I tell you something? He knows who you are. And there's nothing you've done that makes these people here at this church. I know enough about your pastor. I know enough about you because you take on the character of your pastor to know this. 
you'd say to these folks, just come. Man, we'll love you. I'm going to judge you. And you know, I, I've been around and preached enough and been in places to know it. That can be kind of hard. People kind of look at you and stare at you. I mean, did she have to put the tattoo there? I mean, you don't know her story, though, do you? And sometimes you can be saved, be a Christian and be saved so long, you forget what it was like when, and how much debt and how much you owe the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the second part of this. If you want to be like Jesus, here's what you need to know. Jesus cares more about authenticity than he does formality. He cares more about authenticity than formality. One of the reasons why I fell in love with your men, the reason I've, I love your pastor, I love this place here, is because I, I looked around and it just looked real to me. And Jesus cares about that. And you know, if you're looking for a place like that, I'd, I'd say, won't you try this place? They've helped a lot of people just like you. I used to own a green Chevelle Chevrolet, and I'm telling you, I've seen two ugly cars in my life, and that car was both of them. It, I mean, it wasn't even, I don't even know if you, it was called green, but I mean, and now there's a real kind of a snooty neighborhood, it's kind of, a, it's in Tampa where I live, and it's gated, and I mean, you gotta, to, you gotta get a pass to even get in there. And you have to get welcomed in there by somebody, and they have to put your name on a list to get there. So as a pastor, I'll sometimes go visit some of my members, because the pastor, we need you, and I'll drive over there. And when I get to the guard thing, it was always the same look. I, I, know, I knew what he was thinking. I got to let that car in here. Hurry up. Get it. I mean, we, we, got, a, we got an image here. Hurry up. You ever felt that way at church? I mean, hurry up, just hurry up. You know what I loved about Jesus? Didn't matter what color skin you had, didn't matter what you, what you wore, and it didn't matter really how much you knew of the Old Testament. Jesus just loved people. He loved little kids, they didn't bother him. And Simon says, if, if he would have known who this woman was, I mean, of all people, a woman touching a man, you can't do that in public. That is not etiquette. She takes her, the, the, her hair out of her bun to, to wipe his feet. And when, when he does that, she, they just gasp. You can't do that publicly. That's grounds for divorce. What, what, what is he doing letting this woman do this? It's reckless. It's compulsive. Yeah, it is. And it's also very genuine. And it's very authentic because she didn't come to see Simon. She has spent her life staying away from Simon's house. So on behalf of Pharisees like myself at times, and if you're here today and you're looking for something authentic and genuine, if we've ever made you feel like Simon's house, would you forgive us? Because that's never been our intent to do that to any of you. But to let you know you can have a vivacious and a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So what happened? 
Well, she walked in. And when she walked in, she, she knelt at his feet. Now, you have to understand, the walls, they didn't have walls and things like we have today. We keep everybody out when people come to our house. We let them in, then we shut the door. But, but then you could kind of look over the wall, and you could kind of just see what people are eating. In Jesus' day, well, that's, that's, she's, she, she walks in. She knows there's Jesus. And when she comes in, she falls at his feet. And she, she's, she's, got, she's already emotional. I mean, she's heard something. She's heard something that's changed her life. And, and the tears drip off of her cheeks and they drop onto his feet. And she notices something. There's a streak on Jesus' feet. And there's mud and she's thinking to herself, my soul, where am I? Everybody knows that you wash the feet. He, nobody's washed his feet. And then she takes her hair out and she begins to wash, wipe his feet. Then she takes the oil over around her neck. Everybody knows what she used that oil for. She doesn't need it anymore. And Jesus looks at her. And he looks, she looks back at him. Now he's, she's seen the look of lust before. That's not it. She's seen the look of the, the glare of condemnation. And that's not it. All of a sudden there's this warm embracing look. And she washes wipes his, his head with his oil. And then she kisses his feet. And in the Greek it means just continually, continually, continually kissing it. And Simon is livid. Now let me ask you a question. Reckless? Yep. Impetuous and impulsive? Sure. Did Simon like it? Did Jesus like it? Yeah. Why? Because it was authentic. And here's the last thing. The last thing is this. Like this woman, here's what you need to know. The gospel will always be seen as ridiculous and scandalous when open worship Open worship is displayed. When it's displayed openly. Oh, this is horrible. You gave what? You, you do what? You, you, you come and sometimes, sometimes it bothers people when other people lift their hands, but you don't know their story. And, and you look at them, you go, what are you doing? It looks ridiculous to the world that we do look ridiculous. But they don't know our story, do they? And so Jesus said, Simon... I got, a, I got something I want to say to you. He said, well, say it, teacher. He said, there's two guys, and one owes 500 denarii, which is 500 days' wages, and the other guy owes 50 days' wages, and, and neither one of them could pay him. And the man forgave them both. Now, Simon, let me ask you a question. Who would love him the most? Now, Simon's afraid to say the wrong thing because he's a visiting teacher, and he went, mm, I suppose... I suppose the guy that owed the most. He goes, you said it well. Now, Simon, I, I didn't get any water when I came here at the door. I didn't get a kiss when I came at the door. And I didn't get any oil for my head when I came in. This woman hasn't stopped since I got here. Now, notice this. It's real important you understand this truth here as I wrap up. What Jesus is saying is not Simon 
She's a 500 denarii sinner. And you're just a 50. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, Simon, it's not that you're not a big time sinner. You are. It's just that you are a small time lover. That's your problem. So let me ask you this. Is that you? Recognizing what you've done. I got saved at seven years old. I became more Pharisee the older I got. Memorizing scripture. I've never had a drop of alcohol in my life. And I don't say that for a reward. I say that because of some godly parents and godly church and godly heritage. But hear me and hear me well. There isn't anybody in here who's done anything that I haven't thought. And my heart is just as desperately wicked because I am a 500 denarii sinner. A picture's worth a thousand words. So I want to show you something. It's, it's, got, it, it's just about three minutes. It, it's filmed there in, in Thailand, and it, it, it's got a little sub-caption to it, but I think it'll make sense to you. I want you to watch it, and then I'm going to come back and make a closing comment. Okay? Watch this right here.
The difference in this story and your and my story is this. There's nothing we did that would ever earn any capital favor from the God of grace to forgive you of these sins. It wasn't like if you did this in your years, God's going to... No, it's not one of those. What I wanted to show you is 792,000 baht simply is about 25 to somewhere between 25 and $30,000 in American capital depending on the exchange rate. She didn't have it. And somebody forgave it. And there are no such thing as cheap forgivenesses and bargain forgivenesses. Anytime you forgive somebody, it's going to cost you. And for God to forgive you, it cost him his only son to die on the cross. And what you have here is three things. Number one, she is she's just overcome with sins and indebtedness. And she weeps. Because she could never pay it back. And she's overwhelmed at the Savior's worthiness. Because here's a man she believes is the real deal. Who said he would forgive her of her sins. And she's got plenty. And she's never had men like that she could trust. And then she's overjoyed with the Savior's forgiveness. And with salvation's forgiveness. She's just overjoyed. She couldn't help it. And she gave everything she had. Because he was going to give everything he had. So I'm going to walk out of here. I wish I could stand at the door and hug your neck and hear your story. And we'll get on a plane go back to Florida. But thank you for being here. And if you're just kind of looking for a place of authenticity, a place that you could hear the Word of God and grow, can I recommend Salem Heights? I know you're, I, I pastor a church. I, I know. And some of you right now is like, it's too big. I sit on the fourth row and never look back. It, 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 it'll get real small if you do that. I get that. Is it a perfect church? It's not. But they'll love you. And they'll help you reach your family. But the first thing that's got to happen to you is you have to come and see yourself as a debtor that can never pay it back. You're going to put it up for sale, somebody's going to buy it, either the enemy or Jesus. Well, he already paid for it. So you might as well not sell it. You might as well just give it to him. Would you stand with me and just bow your head? I'm going to turn this over to AJ and just as he comes. But I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or fill out a card or even walk forward. AJ wants you to do that later. That's his call and the pastor's call. But would you like today to stop being religious and start having a relationship with Jesus? Well, it's not a long prayer, and it's not a Baptist prayer. It's, it's not a bunch of long religious words. It's just a simple matter of your heart of saying, Lord Jesus, you died for me. Tell him that in your heart. You died for me. And you said that if I would trust you, you would come into my heart. And I do trust you. You said you would be my Lord, and you would be my Savior, and you would be my friend. And I need all three of those.
right now. God, would you come in my heart? I know you're not asking for formality. You're just asking for authenticity. And I know to my family and my friends, it might look like it's scandalous and even ridiculous. But I want to worship you publicly, privately. And I want to proclaim to my family and friends who you are. I have done things that I'm ashamed of. And you died for my shame so that I could have your glory. Now, you may not have said it just like that, but if you said it, and you meant it with all of your heart, and I promise you I won't call you by name. I promise you I won't embarrass you. I won't point out where you're standing or sitting. I just want to acknowledge. But if that was you, and we don't know each other, but God does. God's the one here today. He's seeing. But if you say, Pastor Ken, when you prayed that prayer, I did too. I didn't say it just like you, but I meant it with all of my heart. And today, I ask Jesus Christ to come to my life. Would you just put your hand up and put it down? Just say, that's me. And I'll just acknowledge it. I'm just looking around the room, and I'll say, okay, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Now, all of you look this way. Look this way. Can we just, heaven's rejoicing. Can we just do the same thing? And you know who you are. Pastor Justin's here. I got to go catch a plane. And so pray for Rick because we got to keep the angels on top of our car when we drive, all right? Because I got like a 2 o'clock flight. But here's what you need to know. There's a, if you're ever in Tampa, there's a lot of great hotels. Come see me. <laughs> Love Good you. Man. Thank you so very much. Thanks, Kip, for being here. Love you.